In Psalm 103, in verse 7, 103, 7 said, He made known his ways to Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. That first generation of uh, Israelites that he brought out of Egyptian bondage, they saw his mighty miracles. They saw him uh, split the Red Sea. They saw him rain bread out of the sky and water out of the rock. And they saw he, what he did, but they never understood his ways. And uh, the difference, though, with Moses is that he had revelation, not just of what God did, but his ways. How many believe that God is a person, a knowable person? You can know him just like you know uh, your spouse or your brother or sister or parent. He's a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Lord Jesus is a person. In fact, the Lord Jesus uh, has a, is at the right hand of the Father right now in a glorified body that you can touch and feel just like you can your own. Now, it's not subject to death, but it's glorified. But he, the scripture says that there's only one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. And so you and I should be progressively getting to know him better. It's not how many scriptures you can quote. It's not just all about how many good deeds you do. Do you know God? Do you know him like you know your mama, your daddy, your spouse? And that's what we should be after. That's what we should be hungry for. Amen? Amen. And so as we're reading in our scriptures, in our New Testament chapters each week, that's one thing we're looking for intently. And one thing is good for you to pray before you read. Lord, especially in these gospel accounts that we're reading now, uh, Lord, open my eyes. Help me to see Jesus ever clearer and help me to see your ways. Because he's never changed. See how he dealt with a problem. See how he responded to a situation. What did he say? What did he do? Well, that's your example. And don't say, well, yeah, but that's Jesus. And I'm me. You know, I mean, he could do that because he's the son of God. Well, yeah, but you're missing the point. Because he didn't operate as God in the earth. The scriptures tell us, Philippians and other places tell us, that he emptied himself. He laid aside his mighty weight and glory and became like other men. Showing us an example. There are some categories in which Jesus' life and ministry is totally separate from us and unattainable to us. Uh, Nobody else could be the sinless, spotless sacrifice. Amen. That isn't a category apart and above us. But the life that he lived, the way he dealt with things, he didn't do it as God. He did it as a man. That's why he said, you know, if you believe on me, the works that I do, you'll do also. Greater works than these shall you do because I go to my father. In John 14, he said that, well, if he did them as God, how could we believe that? But if he did them as a man, anointed with the Holy Spirit, he would anoint us with the same spirit, then we can see the glorious potential. And that's why 1 John 2, 6 says, He that says he abides in him, in Jesus, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Somebody said, walk just like Jesus? That's the call. I said, that's the call. And even the great apostle Paul himself said, I don't count myself to have already apprehended. I don't count myself that I've arrived. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that? The bullseye? What is the bullseye? Being just like Jesus. Amen? Well, how could you be just like Jesus? By the grace of God, by the anointing, by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but I've messed up and he never sinned. Yeah, and thank God for the blood. Because of the blood, you can stand up just like you'd never sinned. Is it true that all our sins are really washed away, even if you messed up this morning, if you repented and confessed it and asked him to forgive you, that God looks upon you without sin? A lot of folk don't believe that. They don't talk that. People say, well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you were an old sinner. Now you're saved. Amen. And if you've been clean, you're either clean or you're not. You're either washed or you're not. How many believe you're clean? 
You're washed. All of us have messed up. All of us have failed and sinned and come short of the glory of God. But that's why the blood was shed. That's why we now have become clean. Man, that's good news. I said, that's good news. And that's why the scripture says, there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in him. You know, uh, like I said, you're either clean or you're not. Any one of us, we could put up on the platform and put some spotlights on you and try to find out things about you and bring out things about your past and history that you would be embarrassed for us to hear and know, myself included. But I tell you what, nobody but nobody, nobody here, nobody anywhere, no devils included, can make me feel guilty or bad or ashamed for anything I've ever said and done in the past. Why'd you say that? Because I'm clean. I've repented. I've confessed my sin. Amen. And I refuse to receive any condemnation or guilt because Jesus took my place. He bore my guilt. He bore my shame. Amen. And he is now the glory and the lifter up of my head. I refuse to feel bad. I refuse to feel guilty. In fact, I displease him if I do. I said I displease him if I do. Sometimes I've had people look at me and say, yeah, but Brother Keith, you don't know what I've done. I said, yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. Amen. Doesn't matter what you've done. Can that blood cleanse you from the worst sin, from the vilest, most grievous mistakes and errors? Yes, yes, and thank God, yes. And if you haven't taken advantage of it, do it right now. You don't even need any fanfare. Just right back there in your seat, under your breath, you can say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I, I believe on you. I receive that cleansing. And right now, right now, be clean. Everybody say, I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean by the blood. Well, you're either forgiven or you're not. You're either clean or you're not. If you're clean, then don't you be moping around feeling bad about your mistakes. They're gone. You're washed. You're either clean or you're not. Right? Don't go around in condemnation, feeling bad, feeling guilty, feeling ashamed. Mm -mm. Sometimes people go around, you know, moping around trying to show the Lord how bad they feel about it. That doesn't bless Him. You're acting like His blood was not enough to cleanse you. Like you have to add your little works to it. To prove that you are. And I'm telling you, if you start down that road between you and the devil, you and He'll beat your brains out. You'll beat yourself over the head and say, sorry, rascal, you're a pitiful looking thing for a Christian. Supposed to be a Christian. Talking like that. Acting like that. Doing that. And you'll beat and the devil will say, that's not all. This is what else you are. And this is what, and he'll put a sledgehammer in your hand. Time he and you get through with you, you won't have enough faith to believe your way out of a wet paper sack. Or anything. I'm serious. You'll be condemned. You won't be fit to help your folks or to do anything for the kingdom. You're either clean or you're not. Either washed or you're not. Either forgiven or you're not. If you are, then lift up your head. Lift up your head and say, I'm clean. I'm free. I'm washed. No shame. No condemnation. Hallelujah. Glory. That'll turn you into a different person. I know you made mistakes. I have too. What did the Apostle Paul said? Not looking back. Not looking back. Looking ahead. Reaching. Can you say amen? Some folk need to say it tonight. Say, I'm not looking back. That's past. It's gone. I'm forgiven. I'm washed. I'm clean. Amen. Just looking ahead. God has a good plan for us. Thank you, Lord. So we're looking to see how Jesus handled things. Turn to Philippians if you're still holding your place there. Ah, let me do it differently. Go to Luke 12 instead. I think I'm going to get to Philippians, but you know, a key to being led by the Spirit is you got to be open and you got to be flexible. You get your little plan laid down real hard and locked in. (laughs) and you're bent on doing it, that's how you miss God. And Yeah, prepare. Yeah, do everything you know to do. I'm not just talking about preaching now. I'm talking about living. 
Prepare, do what you know to do, but then every moment and from hour to hour, be checking your insides, be checking your heart. If that don't seem right, I don't care if you and all all you folks plan to do it, don't do it. Be ready, be quick to change, be open to get new direction. Amen? Follow the witness, follow peace, follow life, follow him. In Luke, the 12th chapter, we read this. Already this week. And the Lord brought me back to this. And I'm excited about it. I hope you will be. In Luke 12. Down in verse 6. Now we're talking about the ways of the master. And do you understand that Jesus wouldn't teach us to live one way and him live a different way. If he said live like this, he also lived like this. In fact, the scripture said, what is it, Ephesians 5, 1 or so, he says, uh, be followers of God as dear children. Other translation says, be imitators of God. God himself doesn't have a double standard. He tells us to act like him. He's our father, and sons and daughters ought to act like their fathers. And uh, he said, act like me. Well, Jesus, apparently, him teaching this way, he lived this way. He said in verse 6, are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? Now, that ain't much money. Not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. Having this information, what should you do? What should it affect? Should it have on you? That you don't fear. Fear is one of the worst things you could yield to. Because what faith is to God, fear is to the enemy. Faith gives God a legal right to do things for you in the earth. Answer your prayers. Meet your needs. Heal your body. Fear gives the devil a legal right to do things to you in the earth. Fear is a perverted form of faith. You are believing something, but you're believing something bad. You are expecting something, but you're expecting something bad to happen. And the enemy, you're acting on spiritual laws when you do that. The enemy has a right to act on that fear that you've released in the earth. Remember in the scriptures in Job and in different places, it talked about, said your fears would come on you. Well, your faith will come on you. And your fears will come on you. And so if we really realized how these things operate in our life, I'm telling you, we wouldn't allow fear to stay all afternoon. We'd learn what to do and jump on it and get it out of our lives. And there are some things you can do. We'll be talking about that. You can. But to just go around dreading something, go around afraid that this might happen or that might happen is dangerous stuff. It's like opening the door spiritually and saying, okay, devil, if you want to do this in my life, you can. I believe you're able to do it. I believe you can do it to me. And it's sad, but a lot of folk have more faith in the devil to hurt them than they do in God to protect them. They have more faith in the enemy to put them under than they do in God to put them over. And the more faith you have in the Lord... The less fear you have too. Faith displaces fear. It pushes it out. Amen. Can't be full of faith and full of fear. Can't be. The one displaces the other. And you know, in life, people make excuses for fear. But you know, Jesus didn't. You know, Jesus was intolerant of fear. You remember talking to his disciples? He'd tell them more than once, why are you so fearful? Why don't you have faith? Right? Where is your faith? Why did you fear? Now they thought they had good reasons. Like uh, there's a storm and the boat's sinking. And it looks like we're going to drown. But to Jesus that was an unacceptable explanation. And the same is true today. People think, well, hey, have you looked at the economy? Have you looked at this? Have you heard that? We got a reason to fear. As far as the Lord's concerned, you don't. I said, as far as he's concerned, you don't. Because you should know by now, he's bigger than that. Amen? He can do things for you in spite of that. 
Do you believe, just like we read in the scriptures, that God could feed you if everybody around you starving? Could he? Do you believe that God could keep you and protect you if everybody around you is perishing? Is he able? He's done it. Well, who's he able to do it for? People that believe this kind of thing. People that will stand in faith instead of just fold to fear. Now, some people don't understand. They think, well, y'all are just cocky and y'all just think y'all are something special saying that won't happen to me because you just never know. (laughs) I've heard that so many times. I'm really tired of hearing it. You just never know. That is not a scripture, okay? That is not a verse. You just never know. (laughs) It's unbelief. It's an open door for wavering and vacillating. What did the psalmist David say? A thousand may fall at one side, ten thousand at the right hand, but it won't come near me. Is that just being cocky? Is that be, what is that? No, that's knowing who your God is. That's knowing what he can do and knowing that faith is the key to him being able to do it for you. Until you learn to talk like that. You won't be operating in the faith that you should be. We're going to act on this some before we get through tonight. This is a good night tonight. Did you know that? You just hold steady and stay awake and you're going to be encouraged and strengthened before we get through here. This is amazing to me that the Lord keeps track of sparrows and hares. Isn't that amazing to you? The devil's such a liar. He'll try to tell you that a whole lot of your stuff in your life God doesn't care about. Because he's big God and he's got a universe to run. And he can't be bothered with all your little junk. If that were true, why in the world would he keep track of your hairs? Do you keep track of your own hairs? Can you tell me right now what the number is of the hairs on your head at this moment? Quarter till nine on a Friday night. I cannot tell you. I I don't have any idea how many hairs is on my head. I know it changes. (laughs) It's constantly changing. But is it true that God could tell every one of us in here tonight, you have X amount of thousands, you have X amount of hundreds of thousands, you have a... Could he tell us every individual that he keeps up with things that you don't? He cares about smaller details in your life than you care about. If he cares about that, then certainly he cares about more significant, bigger things. And he keeps track of sparrows. That's amazing. Sparrows. God knows exactly how many sparrows. He said, if a sparrow does not fall to the ground and die without he knows about it. That is amazing. I said, that's amazing. And it's not supposed to just impress us with God's knowledge, but the point that the Lord is making is that he cares about even the smallest of these things. Now skip on down to verse 22, and and let's keep reading the same thoughts, what Jesus is talking about. Verse 22, he, Jesus, said to his disciples, therefore... I say to you, take no thought for your life. Let's just stop right there. How many believe we ought to practice that? If Jesus was standing right here in front of you this evening and he looked you in the eye and he called you by name and he said, Bob, Susie, uh, John, Mary, don't take any thought for your life. Do you suppose you should do it? You suppose you should act on what he said, and not take thought for your life. Well, then, how many believe he wouldn't tell you something to do that you couldn't do? He wouldn't tell you to do it if you couldn't do it. Now, it's a little, I don't know, if you look up the word here, it helped me out. Take no thought. To us, that means don't even think about it. And he goes on to say, take no thought for your life about what you're going to eat or your body, what you're going to put on. Does that mean don't even think about what you're going to eat? Well, uh, sometimes you have to plan a meal. 
that's not what he's talking about. If you look it up, you see it means anxious thought. The word anxiety, to me, I've looked it up in several dictionaries. To me, that's one of the best words that sums it up. Take no thought, no anxious thought. And this is in agreement with so many other scriptures, so many other things the Lord said. Take no anxious thought about your life, about what you're going to eat, about what you're going to wear. This is so important to the Lord, he keeps reiterating it scripture after scripture, verse after verse. Keep reading with me. He said, the life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. Now, when he says consider the ravens, what should you do? Think about the ravens. Picture them. Great big black birds. You hear them outside sometimes hollering. For they neither sow nor reap. They do not sow. They don't work a crop. They don't punch a clock. Do they? They got no storehouse. They got no accounts at the bank. They got no barn. And what God feeds them. Somebody says, well, nature takes care of What is nature? I get tired sometimes of hearing about nature too. What is nature? A lot of times us people don't want to acknowledge God. They talk about nature this. Now, well, nature feeds them. No, the Bible said God feeds them. Okay? God feeds the ravens. And the squirrels and the rabbits and all the animals. And if he cares about feeding the ravens, what's the obvious next thought? Can you see what Jesus is doing here? If he cares about feeding the ravens, then he certainly cares about feeding you. And about feeding me. He goes on to say, And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? And again, taking thought means taking an anxious thought. Worrying. Fretting. Being uneasy about it. Can you, by being uneasy, by fretting, by worrying, can you make yourself a quarter inch taller or shorter? No, you can't, much less a cubit. And he said, if you be not able to do that thing which is least, why take you thought for the rest? Why worry about something you can't control? A famous athlete, I forgot his name, I'm sorry, but a famous athlete one time said this. I thought it was interesting. I wrote it down somewhere. Uh, He said, I never worry about the things that I can't do anything about because I can't do anything about them. (laughs) He said, nor do I ever worry about the things I can do something about because I can do something about them. And if you're never worried about what you could do something about, or nor what you couldn't do anything about, you just flat would never worry. But really, I mean, he's not just, he's not just saying something. He, he wants you to think about this. Why worry about a thing that you can't change? Or again, why worry about something that you can change? Cause you can change it. I'm telling you, I'm going to show you some other scriptures as we go, but I think you already know, especially any students of the Bible, you understand the Lord is very strong on this point. We're talking about the works and the ways of Jesus. Did Jesus worry a lot? Do you picture him fretting, anxious, getting up in the morning and calling a staff meeting with the disciples and going, guys, I don't know what we're going to do. Dear Lord, y'all pray. You know, a lot of what people call prayer is not acceptable prayer with God. It's nothing in the world but worry sessions. People would be better off asleep. You said than praying? Yeah. Some prayer, people would be better off asleep. If all you're going to do is hash and rehash the problem to God like he didn't know it to begin with. Oh God, you got to do something, does he? God, this is happening. He already knew it. Here's something you need to understand, friend. 
acting pitiful might have moved grandma. But it doesn't move God. God is not moved by you crying, by you poking your lip out, by you acting pitiful, by you using multiple boxes of Kleenexes. It doesn't move him. No matter how sad you are, no matter how much you need a thing, it doesn't move him. Needs don't move him. Crying, acting sad doesn't move him. Tell me what will allow God to move in your life. Faith. Faith. And even though you may feel like crying, you may feel bad, you got to stir yourself up and stand up and say, look now, uh, soul, you be quiet. God's come through for you again and again and again. He's done too much for you, for you to lay here and act pitiful like this. Give him something he can work with. Give him some faith. Amen. 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 Give him some faith. He said, verse 27, consider the lilies. So when he says that, what should you do? Think about the lilies. How they grow. They toil not. They spin not. And yet I say to you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Uh, Solomon must have really been a sharp dresser, mustn't he? And it reminds me of this minister one time, this is many years ago in a, in a certain denomination. He was holding a meeting and he, he liked flashy colors. He had a real bright, bright red tie on. And uh, uh, he was praying in the place and this, he noticed this fellow kept looking at him, kept looking at him. And, and, and finally, uh, the, the fellow came over and said, brother, said, that's a worldly looking tie you got on there. <laughs> he said, what do you mean worldly? He said, it's so bright. It's so bright. And he said, well, now hold on. He said, God must like red. He made bright red flowers, didn't he? Beautiful red sunsets, vivid, bright red fish. I mean, neon colors, bright colors. He said, God must like red. What's wrong with red? He said, well, I don't know. <laughs> and later on, a couple of days later, came in, that guy had a red tie on. <laughs> he got delivered, got set free. You know, it's amazing. People say, you know, well, the scripture talks about, uh, you know, dressing modestly. And the scripture talks about, well, there's a vast difference between modest and ugly. <laughs> vast difference between modest and dull and drab. It's amazing how people get all these goofy ideas. I mean, they, you know, if God was really like they think he is, then there will only be three shades of flowers. Dark gray, medium gray, and light gray. Three shades of fish. Dark gray, medium gray. But look around. Just all you got to do is look around. What's he like? Oh, he, oh. He's brilliant. He's amazing. He's so varied. He's so wonderful. Now, he's talking about dressing you, isn't he? Isn't he? And he said, look at the lilies. I mean, around here through spring, there are all these vivid, beautiful wildflowers all over the sides of the Still flowers everywhere. You like that? God likes it. He could have chosen any other colors in any other way to clothe the hills and the valleys, but he didn't. He likes that. So you can expect more of the same in heaven. Amen. And he said, Solomon was a sharp dresser, but he didn't come close to what I can do on a, on a valley and on a field. And here's his point. If God clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, it looks pretty and then they'll bale it for hay and it's dry and it's gone. How much more will he what? Clothe you. Oh, you of little faith. Now, that's a reproof for worrying, for taking anxious thought. It is little faith when you worry some. When you worry a lot, or all the time, it's no faith. I want you to get something settled in your heart. We're going to say it again before it's over. Get it settled forever. I will never go hungry. I will never lack for good clothes. He will feed me well and clothe me well all the days of my life. These are two things I will never worry about. 
Amen. You'll please God if you'll do that. And not only that, but begin to apply that to other areas. If you don't worry about that, why worry about the other things? Let's keep reading. If God clothe the grass, which today in the field, the Mars cast in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Seek not what you shall eat or drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. Now the margin of my Bible says, don't live in careful suspense. And I looked up that word, that's exactly what that means, suspense. It's like something's hanging. Hadn't dropped yet, it's not going up, it's just hanging. Have you ever felt suspenseful? Hmm? About a bill that was coming up? About some things that you were about to do and some things that you were about to need? Suspenseful. Waiting for the other shoe to drop. Boy, I hope that don't happen. Mm-mm. I just hope, but you just never know. Friend, any sinner down the road can do that. Anybody that don't know God, that's not even trying to serve God, can do that. God expects more of us. When you feel suspenseful, when you feel anxious, when you feel, that doesn't mean it's over. That doesn't mean you've missed it. Just because you feel that way, that's not the end of it. We don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. Amen. And in spite of your feelings, push past your feelings and say, "Uh uh-uh, no, you just watch. Everything's going to be fine. God's always come through for us and he's not going to let us down this time. Don't you worry about it. It's going to be fine. It's working out right now. And you say that when you can't see any way. You say that when you've gotten four bad phone calls. You hang them up. I don't mean hang up on them, but after you hang up. After you hang up, you just say, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 I'm not moved. That doesn't move me. This is going to work out. Amen. The Lord's going to take care of us. We're not going to want. We're not going to lack. The Lord's my shepherd. I do not want. I don't lack. I don't want for any good thing. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. He daily loads me with benefits. My God shall supply all my needs. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I always have all sufficiency in all things and abound to every good work. Amen. Amen. Put that in your mouth. Instead of this silly, unbelieving, you just never know. (laughs) Don't say that. I mean, think about it. I mean, apply that to me. Let's say you and I knew each other. Let's say we went way back. We've been friends for 20 years and I had never, you know, substantially let you down. And I told you I was going to do something for you. You were counting on me. Well, Brother Keith, you know, I said, I'll do it. I'll go there. I'll pick it up. I'll take care of it. And you say, well, okay, it's important. Now, Brother Keith, you're going to do it. Yeah, I'll do it. I got it on my list. I won't forget. I will do it. But all night you stayed awake. Paced the floor. Back and forth. Told you why for your husband. Boy, I, I hope he does it. And they said, well, he'll do it. He told you to do it. Yeah, I know. But you just can't never tell. <laughs> Brother Keith is mysterious. <laughs> you just never know what Brother Keith's going to do. Well, are you speaking well of me? Are you blessing me by saying, no. You're telling me that I'm unfaithful. I'm undependable. And then you called me. Every 20 minutes. Brother Keith. Yeah. You know that thing you're going to do for me. Yeah I know. You're going to do that. Well I already told you 10 times. Yeah I'm going to do it. When I don't forget. I told you I'm not going to forget. You're going to do it right. I said yeah. And an hour later. Ring ring ring. Is it. After a while that could get irritating couldn't it. Why because what are you saying to me. You don't trust me. You don't believe in the integrity of my word. You don't believe that I'm faithful. You don't believe that I'm dependable. And so people don't mean to, but that's what they're doing to God. When even after they pray and after they believe they receive, they're still every 30 minutes. Come on, God, now. Come on, please. Please move, move, move by some hook or crook. Please move. (laughs) And then turn around and tell folks, well, you just never know. You just never know. That's not faith. And without meaning to, people are telling the Lord, I don't trust you. I don't know if I can count on you. 
I'm keeping both fingers crossed and, and I'm just hoping so that maybe you'll do it, but you just never know. That is absolutely no faith. Faith can say, God said this and this is what he'll do. Amen. He told me he'd take care of me and he will take care of me. He told me he would feed me. He would clothe me. He'd protect me. And that's what he's done. That's what he's doing. That's what he will do. And that gives God a legal right to do it and to continue to do it for you. Can you say amen? He said, don't seek what you'll eat or what you drink. Don't be of doubtful mind. Don't be hanging in suspense. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you have need of these things. Nothing surprises Him. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God. Don't spend all your time thinking about how we can make money and how we can pay bills and how we can do this and ensure that we've got something for the future. If you spend all your time on that, then you're going to miss it. Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't run after the things. Run after him. Try to see what you can do to help people. Help his churches and his missions and his outreaches and your fellow Christian. Amen. Amen. Think about that. Have that in your forefront. This is the first principle of prosperity. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these. All these things we've been talking about in those previous verses. Making a living as we say. You are not just on the planet to make a living. You're on the planet to serve God. Amen. Everybody's supposed to work. Don't misunderstand me. Everybody's supposed to work at something. So I'm retired. You're still supposed to be working for God. You don't retire from the things of God. Let me say that real slow. You don't retire. You retire when the trumpet sounds. Then you'll know you're retired. Till then, you need to be busy doing something for the Lord, helping people some way. That's what makes your life meaningful. And then the things you want to do for fun and pleasure, you can enjoy so much better when you're putting God first. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all seek ye the kingdom of God, Matthew 6 says first, and all these things will be added to you. Verse 32, look at it, look at it, fear not. What's the punchline? Don't be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the whole thing, I might say. Give you the kingdom and everything that's in it and that pertains to it. How many know if he'd give you Jesus, he'll sure help you pay your utility bill? So the scripture said, if God spared not his own son, But delivered him up for us all, for everybody. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Glory. Go to Philippians now. I think you'll get more out of it. Is this okay tonight? He said, consider the ravens. You know, have you ever seen depressed ravens? (laughs) Have you? If you go on out and see some blackbirds sitting on a limb, and one of them looked at the other and said, man, I just don't know what we're going to do. What about this drought? Have you seen the price of bird seed? (laughs) How many believe that ravens do not have any times like that? They, They don't have any tumultuous and... And rest, inner wrestlings about their future. <laughs> huh? And the scripture said God feeds them. The scripture says also that if you, unless you become converted and become like a little child, you won't enter in to the kingdom and the things of God. It takes a childlike, simplistic trust. You ever seen little ones? I'm talking about little, small ones. In the sandbox. Concerned about their future. You come by and they're not pushing their truck. You go, what's wrong, baby? Well, I was just watching uh, the news the other night. And uh, I'm just wondering if I'm going to be able to go to college when I grow up. And yet people say, yeah, that's why they have parents. So, you know, so we can worry. For... No, no, no. 
Well, I'm the provider. I've got to worry about that. No, no, wrong on both counts. No, you're not the provider. And no, you're not even supposed to worry. In fact, it's a sin. Now, we've all missed it in these areas. But, you know, there is a thing I call provider pride. Well, somebody's got to worry about this. I'm the one that brings home the bacon. I, I got to worry about it. No, you don't got to worry about it. In fact, you're hindering God by worrying about it. And if you count yourself to be the provider for yours, then you have limited your whole family to your little job and your smarts. Which as big as they might be, ain't even comparable with what God could do. Thank God if you've worked hard and you've been steady. But understand that unless the Lord opens his hand and gives you opportunity and gives you strength and gives you understanding, you couldn't get out of bed in the morning to make any money. So who's your provider? You have one source, one, one, many, many channels that he uses, but one source. Everybody said out loud, my God is my source. He's my provider for me and all mine. Amen. And he ain't going anywhere. I said, he's not going anywhere. He's not going to lose his ability. He's not going to lose his contacts. He's not going to lose his resources. Friend, is this getting in your spirit this evening? Get it in your spirit. We're going to be okay. We're going to make it. My family and I are going to eat well. We're going to live well. We're going to be clothed well. We're going to have plenty. No matter what happens. Amen. Because if he'll feed blackbirds, he'll feed me. If he'll clothe hillsides, he will clothe me and my kids. Amen. And that confidence pushes fear out of you. Gets rid of the suspense. Fills you up with peace. You can sit down in your recliner and go, it's going to be all right. And that is faith. And that pleases God. And that gives him a right to move whatever it takes, heaven and earth. I mean, just remember, I mean, in the time of famine, he had birds fly food to the man of God. Years ago, Phyllis and I, like I said, you know, just first learning how to believe God. And we needed some money desperately. And it was only if few hundred dollars, I guess, how much? $500. That's what she remembers, $500. But man, it looked like 500000 at that time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And just didn't have a clue where we might get it or how we were doing everything we knew to do. We're learning how to believe God. So we're standing. The time had come. It looked like we needed it yesterday. And I came in and Phyllis said, uh, what do you think's happening on this? <laughs> we're believing. I said, well, I don't know. I said, I know this, God is faithful. We can count on him. We stand in faith. And I said, I also know this, he uses people. And anytime you got people involved, you got potential problems. Because <laughs> people don't have to obey God. Not now, not ever. If there's one thing I've seen clearer year after year, it's that. People do not have to obey. I don't care that it's the will of God. I don't care that it's the perfect plan of God. People don't have to obey. And I said, this we can count on. I don't care if God dealt with somebody and they're not responding or other people are not responding. He is faithful. If he has to, he had the birds fly it in. If he has to, he'll get a little dog, bring it in a paper sack and sit it on the front door. Whatever he has to do, he can do it. He is faithful. If he has to use somebody else, he will. And I mentioned a person that we knew very well. I mean, of. We knew of. We didn't know them. We knew of them. They were a very widely known minister. I said, even if God has to speak to somebody that like that, I said, you believe he could hear from God? And she said, yeah, I do. The Lord's my witness. That man walked up to me two days later and handed me that money. And when I... Shut my jaw. The Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean to hurt a voice, but he spoke to my heart. He said, what you said about me is true. I will do whatever it takes 
to meet your need if you'll trust me and not quit. Oh, hallelujah. He's so faithful. We've seen it again and again. If you won't quit, if you won't give up, if you won't start doubting and talking about, well, you just never know, junk. If you'll stay in faith, he is faithful. And he, if he has to move heaven and earth, he'll do it. But he'll take care of you. Are you at Philippians? I'm trying to close. Philippians, the fourth chapter. Let me read these couple of scriptures to you and I think I'm done. Everybody say it out loud. No worries. No No anxieties. In Philippians 4 and verse 6. He said, be careful for what? How much? Nothing. Nothing. The Amplified says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your wants known to God. Let me read it again. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Now, learn to identify when you're yielding to anxiety. And don't play games with yourself and don't deny it. Planning is one thing. Worrying is another Praying is one thing, laying awake at night, and worrying is something else. Worrying is not okay. And a lot of people have practiced it for decades, and they're highly developed in it. And they wouldn't hardly know what to do with themselves if they're not worrying about something. It's a fact. Their folks worried, and their folks worried, and they think that's a sign that you care. If you care, you worry. But it is not the faith way. And it's displeasing to God. And it's plain disobedience. To the scripture. How much is it okay to fret. And worry and, anxi- and have anxiety about. Nothing. Nothing. If we practice this scripture. We would be worry free. Care free. Anxiety free. Amen. And I said, yeah, but it's a problem. I know, but can you do anything about it? I can get in faith. We'll do it. Now, you've done what you can do. It's up to God. No need you worrying about it. And I said, yeah, but what if I die? Well, you're saved, ain't you? Huh? You get to check out your new mansion. So what is there to worry about? First Peter 5. I'm trying to close. First Peter, the fifth chapter. 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says, casting, what? Most of it, some of it, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. Mm -mm -mm. Amplified says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, All your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and about you watchfully. Glory to God. Everybody stand up on your feet please. In Genesis 48, you don't have to turn there, but while you're standing. At the end of this covenant man's life. Jacob or Israel. He said, uh, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, God has fed me all my life long until this day. He acknowledged his faithfulness. The psalmist said, I've been young and now I'm old. But I have what? Anybody remember it? I have never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor, in other words, nor have I ever seen. His seed, his kids, his grandkids, begging for bread. What's the line right under that? And you never will. I said, and you never will. People that put God first and endeavor to obey him and trust him, he will take care of. Can you say amen? amen? Sit out loud, close your eyes. And uh, 
I know that there's some things in people's lives that have just, it seemed like it stuck to you like glue. I mean, when you try to go to sleep, there it is. Wake up in the morning, there it is. And you don't realize it, but you've practiced worrying about that thing for days and weeks and months and some things years. It's happened so frequently and so continuously that it's gotten familiar, almost comfortable to you. Doesn't make you comfortable, but you're used to it. And you got the purpose in your mind, I'm through with that. I'm divorcing that. I'm casting that off. I'm throwing all that off of me onto the Lord and letting Him deal with it. Some have proved, you've proven you can't do anything about it. You've done everything you know. You've said everything you know to say. You've cried, you've prayed, you've begged, you've done everything but this. Now this is faith. To cast the care of it over on the Lord and say, all right, Lord, I'm not dealing with that anymore. I refuse to talk about it. I refuse to beg and pray about it all the time. I'm done praying about it. I'm done talking about it. I'm giving it to you. Here it is. And I'm not taking it back anymore. Everybody said out loud. I take all my cares. Every worry. Every anxiety. Every concern. And I throw them off. And I cast all my cares. On you Lord. I put it in your hands. Because you can do something with it. I refuse. To cry. To fear. To worry, to wonder, to talk about this. For now it's in your hands. And I give you praise. And I thank you for taking care of it. Just thank him for just a minute for doing it. Thank you for taking care of it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I thank you for taking care of that. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I'm not going to miss any meals over it. I'm not going to mind it and keep it on my mind and talk about it, it's yours. It's in your hands now, it's yours. I've given it to you, now you have it, I don't. In Jesus' name. And say it again, my God shall supply all my needs. I will not want. I will not lack. My whole life, I'll eat good. I'll be clothed well. I'll live well, for my good God takes good care of me and all mine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're through worrying about that. We're through being anxious or thinking about that in Jesus' holy name. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Come on, just praise him a little bit. Take a minute. Oh, thank you. Thank you for setting us free from worries and fears, anxieties. Thank you. Thank you. We're loosed. We're free. We're free. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.